This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. Did you get over the excitement of all the, all the medals on Friday? Oh, my gosh. So exciting. Loved seeing um, one of our uh, local people um, get a gold. She's on the, um, on the ladies' rugby team. Uh, and actually, there have been three medals come out of Fakatani so far. So I think we're like champions of the world. Exactly. You should go for the per capita medals table for Fakatani. Absolutely. But that's why, like, you're coming up later on this year for us to have a symposium, a positivity symposium. I think we just have such an incredibly positive community here. So much goodness goes on. Indeed. And who are we introducing today? It is a great pleasure to introduce Nikki Gladding today. Nikki's the co-founder of Aotearoa Water Action. She's a councillor with Queenstown Lakes. Uh, And I've been kind of watching her work for a while now as I've been involved with uh, the water issues that we've been having up here in the Eastern Bay Plenty. So I'm a big fan, Nikki. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. That's a really nice welcome. It's, um, It's great to be here. Where are you, Nikki? Um, I'm based down in Glenorchy, so that's, at the head of Lake Fokatipu. That's a nice place to be. It's not bad. It's not bad. Very lucky. Were you there during lockdown? Yeah, yeah, we were. We, um, I was locked up here with my two kids, Caitlin and Dylan, and um, yeah, it was just the three of us in our bubble, and. Um, yeah, we actually we had a, we had quite a positive experience of lockdown. We were quite lucky, um, and, and a lot of people up here felt the same way. I think it's really it's really nice to be part of a small community. Everybody was sort of there to help each other out. We set up a little Facebook page, and and you know uh, we're also I think reasonably well supported. Um, so yeah, very lucky. What draws you to Glenorchy? Um, I've been here a long time now. It's nearly, it's probably is 20 years. So I first came down um, tramping on a holiday when I was, when I was young, 20 or something, um, to do the route burn track. And then I came back when I was 26 as a hut warden. So it was originally the the bush and the tramping and the, the outdoors that sort of got me down here. And then it's, I think once you've been here a while, it's really hard to leave. And you get to Great appreciate... People. You get to appreciate the Queenstown area without having to be in Queenstown itself. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was actually for a long time I just didn't go near Queenstown because I had kids and, and we were at home and you sort of, you avoid the travel, you know, and I, I didn't need to add someone else to pick up the groceries. So, yeah, I'd spend weeks and weeks at a time without leaving Glenorchy. And during the lockdown, were you mixing the homeschooling and the, the working? I was a terrible homeschooler. My kids are not fond of schoolwork, either at school or um, or with me trying to teach them. So we're one of those very relaxed families. Um, and, yeah, so we just enjoyed hanging out and doing family stuff, you know. Um, yeah, and, and, of course, the work carried on. I was really lucky. We council managed to set up Zoom, and that kind of got the whole organisation, you know, online, which has been really useful because actually a lot of people don't drive into work now. They stay at home and do multiple days at home. So it's it's changed, yeah, changed the way people work. But, um, yeah, it worked really well. I was lucky, uh, like I said. <laughs> has that improved Queenstown's congestion problem? No. And, and potentially more of that could help Queenstown's congestion problem. But, um, yeah, we've, we've got significant issues along our State Highway 6, and um, I think I think that's sort of gone nationwide recently. So, yeah, we need to um, we need to sort that. We need massive mode shift, and we know that, and that's going to, I guess, require a bit of pain in the meantime as we start to slowly reduce car parks and make it more difficult to drive. Um, I guess the problem is at the moment we're not compensating for that with the solutions. So that needs to really ramp up because people are struggling. So did it feel a bit weird when you did get back to the first in-person council meeting? Or was it reintroducing yourselves to people or had it felt like everything had carried on as normal? Oh, I can't even remember. That was a while ago now. Um, yeah, no, it was it was definitely good to be back in the room. People were, it, it does make a difference being in the room. Um, so, yeah, I make an effort to get in most of the time. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is good to save the gas and, you know, save save the emissions. It's a long trip into Queenstown. So, um, yeah, I still try to Zoom when it's appropriate. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Pereira Ney. We'll have the Marlon Williams and Delaney Davidson version. Why this one? This was actually one that popped up during lockdown. And um, I think it was just on a Facebook feed, and we've been listening to all the the, um, the crazy ones from the states. You know, the toilet paper, toilet paper. I don't know. I've forgotten the name of the guy that does that. And then this one popped up, and I just couldn't stop listening to it. You know, you kind of in a bit of a funk in your in your house, and and and, and it just kind of lifts me up every time. So every time I'm in funk now, I sort of just Google it on YouTube and 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 put it on repeat, <laughs> <laughs> and it always seems to work. So yeah, I love this. It's great.
So, Mawira introduced you as being the co-founder of the Aotearoa Water Action Group. What's that about? So, we started this up, it's a long time ago now, 2017. Um, I had just, I just finished, I think, doing, or I was in the middle of doing a planning paper. Um, I had grand ideas of, of doing a planning diploma. Um, and I'd just done the resource management law one. And and up on the news came this um, proposal, this foreign company to take over what was the um, Capitone Wool Scour and to take the water bottling consent and use it for bottling. And, I, and so, I, so I did my research, you know, having been involved in the resource management law and went, I don't know if they can do this. Um, so I got in touch with Peter Richardson. I had never met him um, and we kind of got together and decided this was something worth pursuing and and then we started Incorporated Society and pulled in some friendly activists that we knew and it kind of just went from there. We challenged the consent, we did a judicial review, um, we lost that case in the High Court um, and so we've appealed that decision, we got leave to appeal and we will be in court in a couple of weeks actually in Wellington. 17th and 18th, yeah, awesome, hey? Um, 17th and 18th of August. So we are we are really hoping <laughs> that we come out with a win on this one. So um, covering a range of issues from um, plastics, so um, use of, whether the use of plastics um, and the huge volumes and the disposal of plastic and plastic pollution should have been considered when um, they granted the consents. Um, also challenging the way that they have processed the consent. Um, the way it originally started was they, they thought they could use the original water consent for water bottling. They were told that by ECAN. Um, and so they went ahead and then it turned out that um, they realised they couldn't that water bottling was out of scope of the original consent. So they, they tried to find a way around that um, and they granted them a consent to use water and are trying to establish what they believe that they can use that consent to use water in conjunction with the old take and use consent. And we're saying, no, they can't. Um, so it's raising a whole bunch of issues around um, water allocation and reallocation, I guess. Um, so the decision, yeah, will well, hopefully, well, it will be important. We obviously hope it goes our way. Water is an interesting thing. I've hesitated to call it resource there because that kind of sets up the answer. But it's an interesting and contested thing that, that it's a it's clearly seen for by some as it's purely as an economic thing. But also, it has much deeper meaning and 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 much wider importance. It does, and a part of our um, appeal going forward, we had um, the local Runanga Ngatiwahuriri, and they've joined um, our case, and they will be arguing much as Ngatiawa is up north with the Utakiri case, um, arguing around the effects um, on their kaitiaki rights when water is shipped overseas in bottles, um, what happens to the modi of the water. Um, so it is of 
you know, huge cultural significance, water and how it's used and how it's protected and who has the rights to look after it. Um, and then there's the, the issues around community use. Now, for me, me our, our current, the Resource Management Act doesn't, it just doesn't deal well with water. Um, with land, we look at different types of land and we decide what its best uses are. With water, we just say, it's either surface water, geothermal water or, or groundwater. And as long as there's allocation, if your application is in and it's not causing adverse effects, then you can take that water. Um, it doesn't look at what are the best uses of a limited resource, you know, across the country. So for, for unique communities, because water means a lot to different communities. For some, for some, it's farming and it's the backbone of their community and that's part of their culture. And, you know, so how do we make sure that... Um, a, a farmer who's struggling can't sell out to an international bottling plant and then all of a sudden the the jobs that flow on from the use of that water are no longer farming but are working in a factory driving forklifts and shipping plastic bottles from one side of the plant to the other you know there's there's so much more nuance to how we should allocate water and we're not considering that at the moment and the reason is the government does not want and, and successive governments have not wanted to address maori rights to water and that's the crunch. And um, we're so grateful, both Awa and Sustainable Autokiri, which I'm also a part of, um, with what, what the iwi has done to, to push those cases forward. They are really, really stepping up. Um, they shouldn't have to, but they are. Um, so, yeah, well done. Water has always been, though, part of the, the basis for how we do local regional government I and mean, the catchment boards are the basis for the for the regional government so the the catchments the notion of the the river and also the notion that what you're doing on this particular piece of land or water affects the people downstream those sorts of things are, are fundamental to I mean, that's the, the kind of the reason why we have to have regional councils is because it doesn't just affect you it does affect the people downstream it does what you how much you take and and then what you do with the land and, and the the pollution that's generated and and so on so yeah it does everything has to be considered holistically and we do need the understanding of the people on the ground of the local people and we need to understand what matters to them um and, and i'm i'm really concerned that what we're doing at the moment the big reforms that are kind of throwing everything up in the air and you know and, and hoping they land in a good place um so much all at the same time with the the three waters reforms the rma reforms local government reforms it's, we don't i don't think we understand yet how people are going to have a say and i don't believe that that entities or having centralized control is going to lead to better use of our water and, and better quality of, of water. I think I think we need local people are the ones who are invested in their why and they need to have a say. Um, and the government needs to take that on board because looking at the proposed reforms at the moment, it is not clear that local people are going to maintain the control that they should have over their water. The development community is very critical of the Resource Management Act. And so it, it kind of has built up this this mythology around how bad the Resource Management Act is. But 
it's it's hard to think of how you would do it better. And and I'm sure I'm sure well, all the people that want to get rid of the Resource Management Act are seeing it as a either it's got to be way stronger or it's got to go away completely. There's so many people you know, hanging on to the fact that the Resource Management Act reforms are going to free up all this land for development that it's sort of like just yeah, taking it away. Then so, it's not actually thinking about how can we do this better? Yeah, I think they're selling it to us as this is going to protect our environment better. And yet having had a look at the the exposure, draft exposure bill on the National Built Environments Act, I, I can't see how it's going to do that. Um, and neither can the Environmental Defence Society, I don't think, and, and, and councils, having looked at, had a peek at some of the submissions before they go in. There's a lot of concern that this doesn't actually make things better. Um, it, it could actually make things worse. So, um, yeah, I, I, the, the RMA is, it has its faults. It has a lot of faults. And, you know, we find that it, it costs a fortune you know, for local community groups to try and fight back to get a good result. And um, the government has <laughs> a mega $600,000 a year available for all community groups um, and, and only to fight on, and these are only cases that go through the environment court. So if you're taking a judicial review, as we are against the way that ECAN is interpreting the law around water allocation, there's no funding available for us at all. And yet it costs, it just, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, which, and we've relied on the local council, actually. Um, Christchurch City Council supported the Christchurch case initially, um, and the community feeding it. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. So, yes, the RMA has problems, but to me the underlying thing is, is greed. And we can't, we can't fix that via legislation, you know. So we have to change our priorities as a society um, and, and I suppose we can make it better through legislation, but I guess the point is that at the moment they're not. They're, they're very tentative. Um, they've got obviously interest groups in their ears, the government, um, and they're not they're not going out there and, and making a strong case and saying no, we're going to you know the precautionary principle will apply. We will not have damage to our to our water. They haven't even addressed water allocation, as far as I can tell. There seem to be no rules around water allocation and reallocation and and how we're going to do that. It still seems to be something sitting in a corner of a dark, dusty cupboard, you know, that they're hoping no one will notice is there. Um, yeah, really, I'm really disappointed and I, I hope for better and I hope with the community input and council input into this, these draft, you know, the draft legislation and the reforms that we will eventually come to a place where we have a strong piece of legislation to protect our environment and our water. Leslie, my wife, comes from Timaru and, of course, remembers lots of summers growing up of um, swimming in all the swimming holes, swimming in all the rivers. Um, and we've tried to holiday there, not so much in Timaru, um, but around Timaru, several several um, holidays. And we've pretty much given up because there's it's it's flipped. It used to be water in the rivers and dry fields and now it's wet fields and completely dry rivers Mm. and it's going to take a lot to turn that around because people have got vested interests big time vested interests in keeping it that way it's a it's really complicated and i think possibly one of your next speakers might be able to speak to this quite well but i mean the farmers are leveraged to the hill they've been 
in part of a system where they've been encouraged to you know mechanize and to have massive inputs into their farms and um i guess it's difficult now because there is so much debt involved to to just flip the system on its head you know how do we how do we turn it around and say you can't you can't do it this way anymore um but i guess part of what we'd like to see happen with water allocation is is for the use of the water for the purpose or for the purpose of the take of the water to be assessed and for all its effects to be assessed so that if you want to take water for irrigation it shouldn't be that if there's enough water in the catchment um, or if you've already owned that water permit and consent that you should just be able to um, you know to shift it to do whatever you like with it it should be that the effects of the way the water is used for example irrigation to you know as a massive input which is going to drive you know the, the i guess um what's the word <laughs> the the nitrates into the into the groundwater and into the rivers if you're going to do that then those effects have to be considered when you're taking the water um so it shouldn't just be about assessing those effects when you get your land use consent you shouldn't be able to take water if the taking of water is going to pollute our rivers um yeah that's that's where I stand on it. Um, we've got a massive, massive change to make, but obviously water quality, I suppose, is is, um, is something that your next speaker will will give you a good rundown on. Um, yeah, we're focused more on water allocation, obviously because others are doing brilliantly in the water quality space. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nahi aroha nui kia koutou, ko Hope you're all happy to stay, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving very rewarding, very sustaining, and we're doing it for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph, natures are perfect, unique, and here. Thank you. Now, I know that for all of us, this last more than a year has been very challenging. We're having to find new ways to be, do, see, feel in quite a new and unexpected reality. I'm so grateful to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for as part of the show. And having these five months with you has helped me during this time. And I know that for all of us, we are looking for ways to keep moving forward and we are looking for ways to understand how we can best contribute to this global collective experience and in a situation like this that of course is so new to all of us it can feel at times overwhelming it can feel at times just so different and so new that it's hard to understand how we help but I think in very fundamental ways, we have all the skills all the time. I'm really enjoying at the moment, seeing stories of hope, seeing stories of courage, stories of love, stories of people helping each other and doing their best. And of course, as we know, as a species, stories are so helpful to us. And we really conceptual our reality in terms of story. So I really hope for you that you're able to find some stories that help you, that feed you, nourish you, inspire at this time. When we are surrounded by so many different perspectives, so many different standards of what's happening, I hope you can find ones that align with you and really spark a sense of appreciation for who you are in the life. I know that for all of us, we have loved ones that are far away and it's so important that we make the most of the 
time, connect and communicate when we can and experience love at a distance. My dear mother of UK living quite a different life. I know for both of us, everything can to sustain a sense of shared reality, even though our daily quite different. And this is the power of our conscious that we can find commonality and ways to connect. So I really hope that for you, the people that surround you, I hope that you're able to see that you are giving them great gifts with your time and your presence, your personality, your unique and in turn of course they are offering you great gifts. I know for your body this is a stressful time and it's so important to give ourselves and each much can we can to know they are all doing it and if we can come together to share the stories helping us time, I think all the better. I have two events this week that I'm really looking forward to. The Keep Dunedin Beautiful event, Create People, How to Use Media and Promotion. And I'm looking forward to, again, sharing these stories, seeing where everybody's journey is taking them, welcoming their wisdom. So I really hope for you there are things that you're looking forward to and some story helping and some for you that you're looking to share and speak to you again. Thanks, Kitty. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Nikki Gladding. Nikki, one of the things that I um, was asked, I was asked recently for my definition of uh, in, inequity, which was a really, it came out of the blue and I was actually in an interview and I had to come up with this definition really fast and it's hard when I'd just written a whole thesis about it to put it down to one simple sentence. But listening to you talk today, I'm, I um, it reminds me that I see the issue of water um, and how we how we share water as being an equity issue. Is that how you see it as well? Yeah, absolutely. And then there's some really things when you say that, some certain things just spring into mind. And one is the availability of water for mana whenua um, on their lands. Um, and, and the other one is the inequities oh, that are generated between local um, local users of the land, local New Zealanders, I guess, and foreign investors. Um, what's happening at the moment in Christchurch, and this is part of why we took the case um, of the Capitone Wolfscow case to the courts, was because um, what happened is there's, there's almost like um, these water developers <laughs> springing up and they purchase land with water consents and then they sell them on at well over their land value because they can they have a water permit attached so this our water is being sold and when our water starts being sold it, and if you're on a free market you know we've got overseas investors can purchase that land without going through the overseas investment office without requiring consent sometimes they do but often they don't um, then obviously those those big powerful companies with with lots and lots of money are going to have an unfair advantage in accessing water over other users of water um and i think that's something that's just just starting um there's you know i think that you can get shares i think water shares on the um is it the Dow Jones? I don't know. You know, they're starting to look at water in, in, in a different way and, and sell water. And we need to be really wary because our legislation, it doesn't address this. And I'm really concerned about whether our, our um, trade agreements, including the TPPA or whatever it is now, CPTPPA, um, and, and 
um, our agreements with China, which I think have to be sort of on a par with the CPTPPA. Um, you know, what are we allowing ourselves to do and not do in terms of protecting our water for our people and for the uses that we need it for? Because um, I know I've seen sort of a lot of the discussion documents um, in the background from the government it's a little while ago, um, but nevertheless, I suspect it hasn't changed, where the idea is that um, the people who can make the best use of water are the ones who can pay the most for it. Mm. So that is the way that we determine what is the best use of water. It goes, you know, we put it out there on a market and say, so, you know, you auction it effectively. Whoever can pay the most is making the best economic use of it. If we go down that track, we are in big, big trouble. So this is why I'm saying, you know, what the new legislate, what the new reforms should do is, is set out a way or um, to re that requires water to be allocated in a way that best meets the needs of the communities and takes into account cultural values and 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 the unique needs of local communities. Now, where the government's going is is we're not staying local. We're going much more regional. We're going, you know, I think they only want now fourteen plans rather than every district council having a plan. So how do how do we make sure that local needs are protected? And we do need to look at what NZTE is doing, what the Overseas Investment Office is doing. We need to look at um, our, our regional, our national planning framework. All of those things need to be looked at. So not long ago, well, actually it was long ago, it was about a year ago now, we um, we put out a um, petition for the water sign. We actually haven't presented it yet, and the plan is to present it in a couple of weeks' time. Um, when we're in Wellington, when we go to court. Um, but that was calling on David Parker to um, have a moratorium on new applications to bottled water. So you just you just can't apply until we've sorted the legislation out and until we've had an independent inquiry, um, including um, iwi Māori representation, um, to look at what are the impacts of the water bottling industry, what are our, what's our ability to protect our water from overseas interests. All of those things need to be considered and then we need to have really thoughtful legislation that makes sure New Zealanders' Māori interests are protected. That was a bit of a ramble, wasn't it? That That's was all right. But let's squeeze in Bob Dylan, The Times They Are Changing. Why this one? Because the times they are changing. <laughs> we, um, simple as that. Come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing Writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing Senators, congressmen, please heed the call 
Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside raging We'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are changing Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand For the times they are changing The curse it is cast The slow one now Will later be fast As the present now Will later be past The order is rapidly fading And the first one now Will later be last For the times They are a-changing Nikki, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last year or so. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Ultimately, through lockdown, we did less. We spent more time with family. We didn't need to. We learned, yeah, we, we learned to do with less and appreciate people and help each other out. Um, and I hope all of that sticks because climate change it's upon us we can see the impacts you know it's devastating to look at what's happening around the world at the moment and we can't we just cannot continue to do what we used to do we can't just get on a plane and fly where we want when we want we can't we can't be so entitled going forward we have to understand that you know everything we does has an impact on future generations and um we just have to stop and think before we do everything, before we buy anything. Just a shift in values, I we've guess. And I'd like to see that through the reforms that the government's making at the moment. We've certainly seen that things can happen, that things, if, if we set our minds to it, we can actually do stuff. Which, yeah, you're absolutely right. Which is perhaps going to make it easier for groups like yours to actually make a difference because the argument is, oh, we can't do this, it's too complicated, it's going to take too long, it's going to cost too much, whatever, is blown out of the water a bit by um, by the fact that we did close down the country and it seemed, and you know, yeah, you, and, and it worked. You're absolutely right, actually. That's a, that's a really good way to look at it, is, is maybe, maybe it empowers us. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to think it does, and that we've still got so many people wanting things to get back to the way they were. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe if you, maybe just that knowledge that we can do it if we want to, and if we understand that we need to desperately, then then we can do it. Um, I'm still hopeful. <laughs> I'm still hopeful. 
um, that we can, yeah, that we can make the changes that we need to. I think you can't be anything but hopeful, can you? Where you just have to put your head in the sand because it would all just look too bleak. So go us, we can do it. In terms of that opportunity that that reset has given us, you said that some people are hoping to get back to the, the way they were or, or back to business as usual, but other people are seeing it more in terms of a, 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 that reset or a regeneration. How do you describe that opportunity? Well, you, you can see it in the people that are, that are taking that opportunity and, and doing things differently. They're doing well. The people that are stuck aren't doing well and they're, they're still crying out for help. And, I, you know, it's easy for me to say that I'm not in a – I'm not in a difficult position like many small businesses, for example, in Queenstown tourism businesses. But um, yeah, you can. I guess for some people it's easier to make the change than others. Just like with farming, I guess for some people it's easier to get out of that stuckness than others. And I, I guess what we need to do is we all need to help. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but we all need to help each other to make the change rather than accusing each other and having these sort of binary arguments and you know throwing blame and dividing our country over issues we need to come together and help each other it's the only way we're going to achieve the changes i think that we need to make um, and to stay open-minded so i have some questions to end the show and not very much time to do them so let's be quick what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years oh wow that's really hard you know, getting leave to go to the Court of Appeal. I got a remit through to local government. It's now local government policy to advocate for a moratorium against on, on, on water bottling applications. So that was a bit of a win. Not that we've seen anything out of that yet. <laughs> Need to give LGNZ a bit of a ruck up. Um, oh, just lots of lots of little wins. And I quite like, yeah, the wins of others sometimes feel like more of a win than my own. <laughs> So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Crikey. I don't know. I was a bored mum at home. <laughs> and I saw a problem that I just, I think I surrounded myself with people that, that, that were supportive. And we just, you need, you can't do it on your own. So, I mean, all of us in, in our everyone in sustainable autocad is just an average person with no particular skills. Um, it's just having the passion, surrounding yourself by good with good people and, and keeping on going. You can't give up. But you need to take little breaks along the way when you get tired because otherwise you do give up. Um, and that's it. And uh, yeah. Growing a pretty tough skin <laughs> you over talked time, but I didn't start with one. You talked about friendly activists before. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we need more activists, friendly activists. I mean, it's just people taking action, isn't it, at the end of the day? And if you so, don't do something about it, you're part of the problem. So, so what, mo what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? No, I just, I don't even think about it like that. I just love what I do. It's just become part of what I do. I mean, I have to roll out to get the kids to school, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm doing, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I've been able to um, head down this track and I'm doing something that I love. And just like anybody, if you're doing what you love, yeah, you, you can keep going. So I, 
I guess we just we all need to support each other to do the things that we love to do and to make the little changes or big changes, whatever whatever we're capable of. Um, yeah. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Wow, I just don't think that far ahead. I'm kind of have to be very in the minute at the moment. Um, I hope <laughs> I hope we win in the Court of Appeal for Christchurch for, for Awa and, and I hope that we win in the Court of Appeal for Sustainable Tikiri. There'll be, um, oh, here you go. I've got it for you. Fundraising, fundraising. Hey, can I put up some little signs? You can. Fantastic. All right, this one, is that back to front? Nope, it's good. Excellent. So if people want to um, donate to Stop the Bottling in Christchurch, these are the details. Um, and I guess for anybody who is um, on air, um, just maybe go to Aotearoa Water Action's website and there's a donate button or you can go to Pledge Me and our Pledge Me campaign is last chance to protect our water. We've got two weeks and we have to raise $25,000. It's scary. So if there's anyone out there, any wonderful philanthropists, we need to hear from you. Um, and also for Sustainable Autokiri, who uh, we've just got leave to appeal. So we've got a little bit longer to fundraise for that one. Um, and this is just their bank account. Um, so for people, oh, yeah, that's not going to be very helpful. <laughs> Thanks very much. Fundraising, that's the big challenge. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, crikey. Um, just if you see something that needs doing, know that you can make a valuable contribution. So if you're interested, get involved and never, ever, ever buy water in a bottle. Thank you for that. Mawera. It has been an absolute joy to hear from you today, Nikki. Thank you very, very much for your time and thank you for being a champion for our environment. We need more people like you. Kia ora. <laughs> Kia ora, Marewa. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Sam.
to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Adele's Water Under the Bridge. I'm Simon Renan, Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, North Mawira, Karatai in Fakatani, and in Glenorchy. We've been joined by Nikki Gladding. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.